Right to be Red podcast, episode number 109, interview with Tom Marquez. You are listening to the Right to be Red podcast, and this is your host, Ani Alexander. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Right to be Red podcast. I'm your host, Ani Alexander, and I would like to remind you or tell for those who don't know yet that tomorrow, yes, tomorrow is the Right to be Red podcast birthday. I'm really happy about this. Exactly one year ago, the very first episode of the podcast came out, and I've been doing it since then uh, twice a week for the whole year. So tomorrow uh, we will celebrate the results, we will get together, we will finally engage and I will finally get the courage and appear on a Google Hangout on a video. So basically we will get together, I will answer all your questions, we will have a surprise guest, we will have fun and um, I would like to tell you that I really appreciate uh, the results I'm getting with this podcast and that most of the credit is yours. Uh, thank you very much for listening. I'm very proud for all those listeners who during this year with the help of the podcast from writers became also authors and self-published their books. I'm getting emails from you guys about this and this is something that I'm most proud of. So uh, I guess that was it. If you haven't registered to the Right to be Read podcast birthday yet, please do so. So in order to make sure that you're there because I will email all the registered guests the link where to go and how to participate. So basically make sure that you register. It's www.annialexander.com backward slash birthday. I'll be really, really happy uh, if you come and I'll really appreciate your presence and make sure that you don't waste the time, but, you know, get lots of fun and knowledge and nice experience out of it. Okay, so let's talk about today's episode. What we will have today is yet another interview and this time it will be with Tom Marcus. I'm sure that most of you already know him because we had him over in episode 49 where we spoke about collaboration and crowdfunding. So we have Tom Marcus over once again. For those of you who don't know him yet, uh, Tom Marcus is a West Point grad, Iraq war veteran and CEO of Insurgent Publishing. He is the author of the new book Collaborate, the new rules of for launching a business online. And you can get more details about him at tommarcus.com. So let's hop over to the interview where we will talk about crowdfunding and growth hacking. Hello again, Tom. Actually, Tom is the only guest whom I'm having for the second time. So I guess <laughs> we had a full year of podcasting. We had many, many guests, around 100 guests so far. So I'm I'm starting to to get second rounds now. I'm, I'm happy to have you back, Tom. Annie, it's my pleasure, and I'm I'm very proud to be the first ever second guest on your show. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's really kind of nice to have you back. And um, our previous interview was really nice as well. So uh, we'll try to make this one as good as the previous one so people don't get disappointed. 
Perfect. We'll make it better. Yeah. Okay. So uh, let's, um, I mean, just recalling our previous interview, which I will mm -hmm. definitely include in the show notes so people can go and check it out too. Um, we mostly spoke about book marketing at, and crowdfunding in the previous interview. Mm -hmm. So let's kind of, you know, pick from the, pick up from there and 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 maybe you know dig deeper and uh, elaborate on that so uh let's just start from the basics and maybe re-recall um why you know what are the what's the purpose and why an author should consider crowdfunding um in order to publish that book sure and great question so my belief is that crowdfunding should be used as a way to to catalyze your audience as a way to take the audience that you've already built and then essentially get them to or, or get their support in the production of your book so so a couple things i guess that that are important um as kind of caveats or ways to consider this is that number one i don't think crowdfunding is good for building an audience So if you don't have an audience to begin with, it's not useful. And I can talk about the current Kickstarter we're doing right now where um, we might have missed, I think, might have misgaged uh, just how much reach we had between the authors and myself as the publisher. Mm -hmm. And so we're struggling a bit there. And so that's a really important thing to consider because even if you have a good book or you believe in the book, if the marketing's off, if, and, and I think the big thing, though, is if, the, if your reach just isn't there, if you don't have the audience built up for it yet, it becomes this really painful process. And I think most crowdfunding campaigns fail because they don't have the audience built yet. Now, on that note, too, you might think that crowdfunding is just for making money. But I'll be honest with you, the ones I've done, um, if they fund, if they reach their funding goal, they still almost, like, I'd say rarely do you actually make a profit on them because mm -hmm. the printing and distribution costs to do something like this are really prohibitive, um, if, especially if you're putting the time and effort into editing and design and, and taking the actual money that you earn from the crowdfunding campaign and investing in, in professional services to get it done mm -hmm. well, then there's, there's really, it's almost more of a break-even kind of thing. So that's why it comes back to, I think it's, it's really just a great tool. If you have an idea, if you want to test it out in the market, um, but you have an audience that, that should resonate with it and that you've been building over time, And it's just a good way to essentially catalyze that and get it off the ground. So I look at it as um, just that. It's a way to, to create an event around your book that maybe a, you know, another type of launch wouldn't do just um, do as well. And then, of course, you can add bonuses and stuff like that to crowdfunding campaigns. So there's this added incentive if you're offering t different types of services and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that all of a sudden opens it up to you know, this other a new demographic or it opens up to to more people and in a different way and so that's kind of fun with crowdfunding as well but we can talk about um, any and all of those subjects if you'd like okay so basically uh i mean your advice is to consider crowdfunding only if you have a sufficient amount of audience in place already built up and yeah. uh and you know not to expect making too much money on it but rather think of this as a means of covering the expenses and making sure that you can afford the best quality book exactly and i successfully crowdfunded my my a book that i wrote called collaborate so i did that um last fall and still get it finishing it up and, and getting it ready to to actually ship out to people Um, so that's taking quite a while. So there's another consideration too is, you know, you should over, always times 
your timetable by 10 um, when it comes to production because it just takes a long time if you really want to do something really well. But on, on that note, when I was crowdfunding that book, I mean, I, I didn't have the biggest audience, but I had maybe about 1,500 to 2,000 subscribers. And I was able to crowdfund and raise about $13,000. But what's crazy about that, so I set the, the price at 7500 or 7500 And so 6000 of that, though, came from just my top tier, which is a $3,000 uh, bonus. And so I got two people to contribute at that level. If you do mm-hmm. the math real quick, you realize I might not have actually hit my crowdfunding goal if I hadn't had those two contributions, which is pretty crazy um, to think about. Um, and, and it's just one of those things that, again, th- that's how tough it is. Like, so I guess I, I consider myself very lucky and, and fortunate that I had people contribute and believe in, in the message enough to do it. But I had also, even the $7,500 range, which isn't that much money, um, is still really difficult to, to get. Again, unless you have like, the audience built up. So if you're starting from a small audience, it's really difficult thing to do. Um, and th- that's why I don't necessarily recommend it for everybody but i think it can be great in certain circumstances yeah i think the audience besides that you know it should be there it should also be engaged enough because many people might just prefer to buy that book on amazon once it's launched already so it's kind of you know that they have this they do need to have this additional emotional connection with the author to kind of, you know, to be willing to contribute more and to participate in the process of uh, actually, you know, creating the book, I guess. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's, I think if if you look at, arguably, if you look at the most successful book crowdfunding campaigns, um, there's a couple outliers here. But most of them are collaborative in nature. Um, they they bring the readers into the production of the book, mm-hmm. uh, and then the the other ones that are like so. If I took the, if I pull out the two most successful crowdfunding campaigns ever, I believe the most recent one is now Eric Rees, um, the author of The Lean Startup, and he mm-hmm. just he just crowdfunded his book and raised over half a million dollars, which is the most that's um, wow. most money ever <laughs> raised for a book. And so he has a massive reach, but he did something cool. He was basically offering a book exclusively through Kickstarter. So it's not going to come out on Amazon. Uh-huh. Um, it's only through the Kickstarter, which is a really clever way to do it. Um, and also a really dangerous way to do it, depending on how big your audience is and, and how much time and effort you have to, to put into this thing. But obviously, he's got a big team behind him and everything like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, a publisher and all that to help facilitate that. So as an indie author, I don't know if that would be the smartest thing to do unless you have a big name to begin with. And then Seth Godin was another big one. Um, I think he might have been the second biggest one ever. And he raised, I think, two to 300000 mm. Um And his was just, again, it's, he has these, this massive audience. So in both cases, they have these massive audiences. When you get to the lower levels, though, or the more, um, you know, whether it's between 10000 and, you know, $100,000 campaign, I think most of those projects, you'll find that there's something collaborative about it, that they've, they've rallied their audience and they're saying, hey, come help me, you know, design or create this book or make it for you make it better for you mm-hmm. which is really cool if you're a big fan of an author it's a really fun thing to do yeah so i guess it's not only the the quantity of the audience but also the quality of the audience that you're having so exactly. it's, it's kind of you know you have to have both and uh, only then you have to think about crowdfunding but let's consider that you know you you have an audience in place and it's quite engaged and they are willing to help you out um so um I personally haven't done this, but I know that there are many different platforms where you could do that. I mean, you have Indiegogo, you have Publishers 
fundraiser, the Kickstarter, the Inkshare, and you know m- maybe some some more. I don't know. So uh, how one goes with this? I mean, how do you choose where to actually do this? Good question. So there's dozens and dozens, if not hundreds. I think there are hundreds of crowdfunding platforms. There's basically a crowdfunding platform for every niche. I remember when I was doing research on this before my first campaign, and I found crowdfunding platforms for veterans, um, for wow. disabled veterans. So it's like it, you can get so specific with these. I found found them for for like women entrepreneurs, um, for all these different. Pick your pick your niche, and I'm sure there's a crowdfunding platform for you. Mm-hmm. And so I went with Publishizer the first time because they're just for books. And I knew the the founder, Guy Vincent, he's a really great guy, and he helped me a lot. And so uh, it was a no-brainer for me. Um, Indiegogo is another popular one. And then there's Kickstarter, which is probably the most famous crowdfunding platform um, in the world. Kickstarter and Indiegogo are kind of, I think Kickstarter is probably the more well-known one. But um, this most recent book that we're crowdfunding right now that I'm publishing and written by Mark Hayes and Jeff Goldenberg is called The Growth Hacker's Guide to the Galaxy. And we're publishing that through Kickstarter. And the choice for that was simply that the authors preferred Kickstarter. So they, coming from a business angle, they thought that the Kickstarter name would make more sense for their campaign. So -hmm. they valued the name of Kickstarter um, and the brand that Kickstarter had. And to be honest with you, I I couldn't argue why that's not right. So I went with it, and that's why we decided to go that route. Um, Pros and cons. Again, I still am a big fan of um, Publishizer, but I think Kickstarter has a, is a really um, is a more mature platform. Mm-hmm. So there's pros and cons. So I'm not, you know, you're not going to get the personal experience that you do with Publishizer, where you know the founder will actually help you out and cares about your success. Um, Kickstarter doesn't care. They they're just this massive machine now, right? Yeah. Um, but that said, they do have some really powerful statistics on the back end, so I can track my board. I can see who's contributing, where they're contributing from. You know, I can, I can tell you for a fact that Twitter is an absolute waste of time thanks to the tracking I've been doing and things like that. So that's kind of neat. And uh, so, so far, the experience has been good. Mm-hmm. Okay, I see. So basically, um, I don't know, what are the biggest challenges? If, if you think, you, I mean, once you start a crowdfunding campaign, you obviously kind of, you know, think that you have everything in place and you have the audience and you believe in your book and stuff like that. So once you overcome all those obstacles and you are mentally and emotionally prepared to actually launch this campaign and it's launched, what are the challenges during that period, once it's out, what happens next? Oh man, it's it's nonstop. So again, unless you're one of these, and I will, I'll say fortunate, but that's not to discredit them. They've done the hard work of building their audiences. But unless you're fortunate to have a big audience, and again, the important caveat there is that these people um, have put in the time and effort to build big audiences. So if I'm talking about Eric Ries or um, you know Seth Godin, they've spent years and years and years building this audience so mm-hmm. it's not just like they're lucky they've just they put in the work already they put in the sweat equity up front so when they launch a book it doesn't really matter it's going to get funded that's just how it works for the rest of us who are still building platforms building audiences you have to hustle like crazy to get a sale mm-hmm. so as soon as the campaign starts not only do you have to have it well planned out and I've, I think I've made some mistakes on this most recent one that I'm hoping to, to come back from and we can jump into those as well um but you have to, every day, you have to, have, you have to push to get another sale. And mm-hmm. so it helps to have some kind of strategy going into that. And so we kind of had one built out for this book. Um, and I realized 
a couple mistakes that we made, and, and then we can come back around to this if you want to talk mistakes and, oh, yeah, and sure. how to overcome. But I didn't start reaching out to guests, to, to um, bloggers, until the campaign launched, uh-huh. which in hindsight is so silly. And it's funny because I know it's the kind of advice that I tell other people like not to do for their campaigns, like you know get stuff aligned ahead of time. Mm-hmm. But we were kind of a rush timeline, and, and there's no good reason for that um, in hindsight. That now we have about 15 guest posts we can do for really, really big blogs that could really move the needle, like huge. And we just don't have the time to write these guest posts and to make them as good as possible mm-hmm. and then to leverage them for the campaign. So it's out. Like I basically, let, you know, even though I got the confirmation from these people, from these um, websites that, yeah, we can, we can write for their audience, um, I, I'm going to have to let them know, hey, we're just, we just don't have the bandwidth to create this content good enough for you and good enough for your audience where it's actually useful. Um, so we're going to take a pause on that. But the good news is now that I have it set up, whether win or lose with this campaign, whether we fund or not, I mean, we're going to go forward with the book. And so I'll hopefully be able to maintain these relationships with these bloggers and say, hey, um, I'd still like to take you up on that offer and we'll just do a more choreographed launch um, in the fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see. So basically planning ahead and, you know, putting up the plan and starting implementing it in advance is a key. Yep, months. I mean, for some of that stuff. Again, if you don't have the audience. So it was a, a couple of miscalculations. So I miscalculated um, quite um, how, how broad our reach was between the authors and myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought that between the three of us, it, we'd have enough to, to easily hit the, the $10,000 mark. Mm-hmm. But we're only 40% um, funded right now. So it's been a bit of a struggle. It uh, didn't quite have the reach. And then there's, of course, implications there um, or, or possibilities of, of what's causing that, which is it could be the design. It could be the marketing behind the book. It could be um, all these different factors. And that's the tough part is, you know, we had to make these decisions when it comes to design. It came to marketing and came to the words we use. And, and that stuff's really powerful. Mm-hmm. Like the way a book looks matters. The way a book sounds matters. And to be honest with you, maybe maybe some of the choices were wrong and we have to go back or not wrong or they just weren't as effective. So getting now I'm getting feedback from readers or potential readers and, and feedback um, from from you know fans or whatever of, of mine and other people and saying and getting really and the cool part is I'm getting honest feedback from some people. Mm-hmm. And and I'd say most people who've backed it are, are happy about it. They, they they love it. But then there's some people who've given given me honest, you know, critical feedback and said, you know, I just don't think the 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 angle on this, it's just not resonating with me right now. And mm-hmm. that's good stuff. To be honest, like as an author, as a publisher, like you need that stuff. You need that real criticism to improve. And so I'm just taking this as constructive criticism, saying we're going to go back to the drawing board. Um, and I'm re- I'm right now I'm, I'm rewriting the the Kickstarter sales page at, and, and taking that feedback and doing that right now. So that's mm-hmm. cool because as you run this campaign, you have to realize it's, it's 30 days or however long you set your campaign for. It's 30 days of hustle and it's an evolving thing and you have to keep pushing um, until you hit that 100%. So it's not an easy task. Well, but the good news is that basically you can be flexible and you can actually change some things along the way once you realize that, you know. The, the, yeah. And, yeah, and and right now it's I feel like um, I'm almost changing work is, you know, fighting to change fate where it's like, if I just let this go on autopilot right now, we wouldn't fund, mm-hmm. but we're right on that cusp where I, I believe we can. And it's, so it's kind of crazy. So we only have like 12 days left to get this to hundred percent from 40%. So we need 60% more funding. You know, it's about $6,000. But my belief is that with these tweaks, with continuing to reach out to companies and startups and, and individuals who might like this book, 
we'll get we'll get partners, we'll get sponsors, and we'll we'll break break through that barrier. I mean, that's my hope, that's my goal, and and that's what I'm trying to do. Um, so again, off to a, a really rough start, um, in my opinion. Again, you know, I take that as my personal failure to not to to do the wrong calculations, mm-hmm. but uh, but hopefully be able to pick it up and and still finish strong. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, uh, actually, yeah, I can imagine um, the the problems with the timings because, I mean, my podcast isn't huge, and you know, it's it's it has two episodes per week only, and it's like it's not like you know I'm I'm spending all my time recording interviews, but I I already kind of you know have uh, things uh, available and already recorded and ready for for the upcoming month. So you know when you said months in advance, it's 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 definitely true because you know since I'm not the person who's doing this full time and are like kind of you know have uh, the you know uh, have the interviews piled up in advance a lot because I'm kind of you know, no, I'm not very organized person. I just make sure I have the content for the upcoming days. Uh, mm-hmm. So basically, even I have kind of, you know, around five, six interviews already recorded. So I can imagine those people who are more organized and who plan way in advance, they, you know, they might have even a bigger kind of, you know, buffer already ready in, in their schedule, I guess. And the same yeah. with the blog posts. It's, it's the same thing, I suppose. Yeah, it is. It's just a lot of, you have to not only plan for your own content creation, but yeah, you have to plan around other people, like you said. So if we're reaching out to podcasters, we've got, we've landed a few podcasts. Um, obviously you're one of them, Annie, and, and really I'm very grateful that you, you took the time to do this and you were able to fit it in. That's incredible. But the reality is I should have reached out a long time ago. I should have, you know, I shouldn't have waited until launch. We should have prepped these, these podcasts months in advance um, to get buy-in and, and get it all coordinated and recorded and stuff like that. And so, again, the timeline was, I think, uh, and in and, and looking back on it, it's understanding that the timeline was condensed and because they, the authors wanted to um, essentially kind of, uh, what, what's the word for it, to take advantage of this recent success they had had mm. with a free, free book, basically. And it oh, got okay. 30,000. Or fifty thousand hits on their website, ton of traffic, ton of exposure, ton. and so it was like, how do we quickly um, capitalize on this? Um, and because people were asking for more, so it was a it was a it was a free book on a source book on growth hacking, and it created. And so growth hacking is just this term. It's it's like a combination of marketing and engineering. Mm-hmm. So you, instead of just being you know marketing, like here's how you should write your sales page, and or here's how you should the colors you should use. Um, it's more. It, it's generally speaking, growth hacking is more technical. So it's saying here's here's a tool or here's what you can do with your code to get more users to share. And so the, the challenging part there is if you're not an engineer, it's really hard to do. Um, but the cool part is there's more and more technology that's making it accessible for non-coders to actually growth hack to find ways to get more growth. And growth can be users, it can be readers. In the case of authors, um, so an author wants more readers. So there's a way to growth hack more more readers using technology using things like opt-in bribes and free giveaways and using more advanced technology to get people to share stuff after they download your book. So there's software you can plug into your website. If you know about it, you can plug it in. People can sign up for your sign up to get a free chapter of your book and then they can plug them into an autoresponder and then you can have all this back-end technology and it's going to encourage people to then share the book so that you get a broader reach and then more people to download. And, and that's kind of like conceptually how it works, like as just an example of how you could potentially growth hack your author's platform. Okay, so the point is, 
Yeah, and we can dive into that for sure. But the point is, they wrote this book giving away these this this techno um, giving away instructions on how to use technology that is out there mm-hmm. and walking people step by step through it. And so, say, take this program, install it here, go to this, do this, because a lot of this stuff, even though it's accessible, it's still really difficult if you don't know how to use use it. So they've made it, they basically simplified it and they created this thing so that anyone, even if they're not a coder, they're not an engineer, they're not a programmer, can, can use this, these tools and effectively get a ton more reach, exposure, and sales by implementing these kind of things. So that's the concept of the book. Mm. That's the reason we kind of rushed, I think, uh, or, or pushed, expedited, I don't want to say rushed, but, but definitely expedited the, the crowdfunding campaign. And I think why, why we're struggling with some of the... the the exposure of it because we didn't have time to to write the guest posts. We didn't have time to align the podcast and so on mm, and so forth. Mm, yeah, I see. Well, basically, um, yeah, growth hacking and and what you mentioned in terms of you know having an opt in and giving out free chapters and then linking it to autoresponders, etc. So basically, we have been talking about this a lot during my pro- podcast. So, but. Mm-hmm. You know, no one actually mentioned and we didn't know that it's actually a growth hacking technique. <laughs> so. De- and, that, and, and so I guess a, a caveat might be that it depends how you implement it, where it will be, you know, and there's some, that's one of the kind of fine lines. So, for example, um, so a growth hack is, yeah, anything that will get you more users or in the case of an author might be, you know, more readers, more sales of your book. And mm-hmm. so, you know, most, I think, if you they, if anybody you know if somebody's listening to your podcast, Annie, they know the the benefit of having some sort of opt in to encourage people to check out their book and check out their writing. Um, what they might not know is that if they if they use a certain tool, if they integrate a certain tool, once they get the download, it'll ask them to share mm-hmm. the book, and mm-hmm. having that um, call to action will increase shares by maybe fifteen twenty percent which is going to generate X number of more traffic to your website, which is going to generate X number of more signups. And then you could do things like that. You can create these type of viral loops. And so that's, if I'm talking growth hacking, that's what I'm, I'm referring to more is, is what, what, what tools can we use that other people aren't using right now to, to generate more traffic, to generate more readers, to generate more sales of our books. So, and the beauty of it is, as far as I understand, that all those tools are kind of, you know, adjusted to a non-techie yes, persons exactly. like me. Exactly. So that's exactly it. So you can take it, and I'm not a coder. I don't know how to write a single line of code. I mean, I know a little bit of HTML, but mostly I go to, I just Google what I need to, and I, I Google how to do this in HTML, and then I'll copy and paste that code. Like, so that's the extent of my knowledge. But I'm able to use the content from this book that that Mark and Jeff have written about and kind of structured and explained to do some advanced stuff, like how to send out personalized emails to all your readers. That's really powerful. How do you mm-hmm. do that in bulk? You're getting hundreds or thousands of downloads. Well, they have a growth hack that shows you how to reach out to automate the process of sending out personalized emails. Not, not from something like MailChimp, not from an email marketing service where it's just a generic email that goes out to everyone but actually personalized emails. And that's crazy. And you wouldn't know how to do it, again, unless you're kind of like in this arena of startups where, where all the cool tech is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and most authors aren't. So that's why I think authorship and writing and publishing is ripe for disruption using tech startup technology. And, and this book will show you how to do that, which is pretty cool. Okay, so basically, can we say that, you know, if one gets that book and uh, he's an author and he's a non-techy person, he will get the list of tools that might help him into uh, growing his uh, readership? 
Correct. And not only the list of tools, but how to use them. And so it'll walk you step by step how to implement it. So whether it's, and they break it down. So the book itself is, is geared toward, um, uh, you know, small companies and startups and and entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. But again, I think there's this great crossover because I use it for publishing. I use it for writing. I use it for, you know, authorship and stuff like that. Because mm-hmm. uh, that's the platform I'm building, right? So I still use these things that most other authors aren't doing, or I do these things that most other publishers aren't doing. Mm-hmm. And so the reality is that not, that's the thing. I'm just one person doing this. You'd have to have a whole, you know, I'd have to have thousands of other people doing it before you really um, uh, have too many people doing it where it's not effective anymore. So the mm-hmm. point is, a lot of these techniques, yeah, any author could pick up and implement some of this stuff and get way more exposure for the book. Like, as an example, may, maybe that what you really want is you want um, more exposure, you want, I guess, maybe you're launching a book or, or you already have a book out there and you just want more um, eyeballs on it. Well, why not leverage something like um, uh, Haro, H-A-R-O, mm-hmm. um, help a reporter out mm-hmm. and, and then put out something on there to elicit feedback or to li- elicit a response um, and then all of a sudden that's a hack to get exposure to your book. And that would, that, that sounds very vague, but if you read some of the hacks that are on that um, in the book, like to explain how to use that, you can, you just have to take your book and look at, okay, how is this positioned? How do I apply this growth hack to my book? And you'll figure, and that's where the, the creativity on your end comes in, but it'll show you how to do it from a technical standpoint mm-hmm. and from a strategic standpoint, which is really important. Oh, yeah. And I think it's it's kind of, you know, as you mentioned, it's the right tar- timing in a sense that, you know, it's always easier to go ahead in places where it's not crowded yet. And when you're kind of, you know, differentiating by being the only one or one of the few ones who are doing that, I guess that's that's the key. That's exactly it. Okay, so another question, which might sound a bit weird, but still, I'm going to ask that. Um when we're talking about all these tools, which possibly will kind of, you know, make all these positive changes, uh, are we talking about big investments in those tools? Are they kind of, you know, very expensive uh, softwares and plugins and stuff like that? Great question. So I'll just say it depends. I'll say the, the range of stuff is probably mostly on the, the free or inexpensive end. Um, most. But then there are some growth hacks that um, probably are more enterprise level or are more like, you know, hundreds, do- hundreds of dollars a month or, or up to maybe thousands potentially, mm-hmm. depending on the tools or the tech. Um, because, again, this is, you know, again, geared, geared towards startups. But, yeah. again, if you think about it in terms of your writing, your authorship, yeah, you know, some authors could actually, depending on how big they are, could definitely leverage the more expensive tools because they have the bigger audiences. Somebody like Seth Godin could or Eric Rees or these mm. other guys we just mentioned and these other authors that you've, you've had on your show too. Some of them have been really big and really successful and have tons of readers and stuff like that. And so they, it might be worthwhile to invest in those more expensive tools. But the cool part is for basically every, every growth hack we have, um, usually there's more than one tool you can use mm-hmm. or more than one strategy. So we'll focus on a particular tool and usually we focus on a particular tool because it's the least expensive or it's the most effective. Mm. And then we'll also examples of other tools you can use that are either cheaper or maybe more expensive, um, but ways that you can do the same thing or similar things with other types of software. So for the most part, we do have free free software or we leverage um, as, as much free stuff as possible because we're bootstrappers. You know, we do, you know, and I think most authors, most self-published authors are bootstrappers. So they, 
they're not taking outside investment, right? You're not taking outside investment to to write your book. You don't have an investor or an angel investor oh, yeah. giving you know a hundred thousand dollars to write your book. Uh, you know, it, it's so you're a bootstrapper. You're putting your own money and time into it. And so, yeah, that's what this is built for. It's built for people that are putting their time and money into their own project. So we want to keep it cheap and easy. Uh, I was just wondering. I mean, do you need uh, a minimum of a minimum of certain tools in order to get the effect that you want to get, or you can start small, like using just one or two, and then getting ahead uh, later on? Yeah. No. Totally. You can. Uh, that's the cool part. So it's almost like a recipe book. Recipe book. So if you want to do x y or z you know if you want to bake a cake well you go to the figure out how to bake a cake right you might go to that section um if you want to figure out how to make up um you know a, some sort of other type of dessert or something like that you might go to that recipe in this case it would be the same thing with your with your with your writing or with your with your blog with your platform um you might be like well i'm what i what you if you care about right now is getting more readers or more traffic to your website you could go to that section of the book and say, okay, here's, here's one technique or one strategy to get more readers, um, get more visitors to my website. So I'm going to go implement that now. And that's that, and I'll show you the tech, uh, tech and the steps to do it. And so it's just like that. Then you'll get some sort of effect from it, right? Because you'll implement it. You will get an effect from these, these things because they do work. Mm-hmm. And then you go try something else. Well, now that you're getting more traffic, maybe you want to increase conversion. You want to increase the people who come to your websites who, to, to turn them into um, subscribers to your, your newsletter or your blog in exchange for something free. So you can test out a new growth hack, and that one might be a special kind of pop-up um, or something else that, that encourages people to sign up uh, or you know, whether that's you know, leveraging something like Lead Pages or Sumo Me or these different apps that are out there that are really great for collecting email addresses or encouraging people to sign up for things. Um, or you know one of a hundred different techniques. The point is, it kind of depends where you're at. And then if you're at the point where you just want to generate more sales, say you have the traffic and you have the subscribers, you just want to increase sales. Well, then maybe one of the growth hacks is, is is to go go to that section on sales and figure out how use one of these techniques or strategies to get more people to buy. And mm-hmm. so again, it just it just depends where you're at. But you can absolutely do one at a time. And like I said, most are most of them are free. The tools are free. And so it's just a matter of kind of figuring out what tools to use and how to use them. And, uh, mm-hmm. and so that's how it works. Okay. So basically, if I understand correctly, from this book, you get all the knowledge you need to have about the tools and what they do and how to use them. And then adding up, um, I mean, choosing the tools based on your strategy, specifically what you want to get and putting up some, you know, creativity to do it in a nice way and in, in some personalized way, you, you get the effect. Exactly. Okay. Well, sounds quite cool. And now I'm I'm kind of thinking that we we kept talking about authors and that you know authors uh, shouldn't anymore only write the books, but also they should think about building the audience and then think about mm-hmm. marketing that book and actually be personally involved in selling that book and stuff like that. So now they should also think about you know growth hacking their books. <laughs> Exactly. No, it's 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 funny you say that because it it sounds kind of crazy, but it's it's the nature of disruptive technology, right? It starts somewhere and then it spreads. And the reality is that and, and disruptive new ways of doing things. And so growth hacking itself is pretty disruptive. It it really is. It's this focus on a bottom line metric. And so again, the metric being whether it's users or traffic or sales or whatever. And you can see how that applies directly to authors and directly to self publishers and directly to publishers. 
and there's this there's this technology that's at our disposal right now, like that you might not even know about, and that can dramatically increase your results with less effort and less time. And so that's kind of crazy when you think about it. How many how many people are doing things the hard way or doing things the the generic way? Like here, use use Mailchimp and, and put this opt in form on your website, and then do this and that, and it's like. And, and they're getting these marginal or, or, or poor results from just doing what's generally accepted when they could implement a, new, a different type of strategy that is outside the box that some, other, some tech startup has used to great effect and they're going to apply it to their author platform. And guess what? That's going to move. That's going to that's work because the cool part is implement it right. You're doing something that hasn't been seen before by readers. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's what I'm coming back to and pointing out is the importance of if you want to be a first mover, if you want to generate the best results for your book and for your, your author and publishing platform. Because again, if you're an author, you're a self-publisher, you are a publisher. Yeah. You should take yourself seriously as a publisher. And you should, can, you should I, I hate the word self-publisher, to be honest with you, in, in a lot of ways. But the point is you should take your publishing seriously. And so as a publisher, you should be thinking, well, how, do I, how do I get more traction? How do I get more sales? How do we get more readers? How do we delight our readers and get, and get more shares? And you can use growth hacking tactics to do that. Oh, yeah. And how do you combine that with the full-time work? <laughs> Oh, I know. But that's the cool part about growth hacking is that it's t- less time intensive. That's the point of it. It's, uh, it's how do you do more in, with less. And so instead of saying, well, I know if I could just send out a personal email to everybody thanking them for purchasing, um, that would increase, that would make the, the reader more appreciative of me as an author. Mm-hmm. And so they might share my book. But to send out personalized email, it's going to take me forever. Oh, yeah. Well, what if you created a Google Sheet where you input the reader's name, first name, you input the reader's email address, you input a small, per, uh, a small message that says, thanks so much for, for buying this book. I'd love for you to share it. And then you automate it using Zapier to come through and automatically send out personalized emails through your Gmail account without you with, with a click of a button. So instead of sending out all these you know, basically handwritten letters, you click a button and it automates it personally from your account, which you can't do again unless you use uh, you couldn't do effectively it would take you hours and this will take you minutes and so that's the kind of stuff we're talking about is you can do stuff and you can delight your customers in different ways you can delight your readers in, in different ways and you can do you can create a better effect in less time using growth hacking so that's the point what's why it's even better for anybody side hustling or, or writing books on the side or doing it in the spare time mm. implement a few of these things it'll save you so much time and it'll create dramatically better results than if you just go, again, the conventional route and you're not thinking outside the box. Okay. Well, you got me excited for sure. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think uh, the listeners are excited over there too. So let's kind of, you know, try to wrap it up by telling sure. where to go and what to do in order to support your book. Perfect. So we have a redirect link. So if you go to this website, the URL I'm going to tell you, you'll be redirected to our Kickstarter page. So Mm -hmm. it's growthgalaxy.com. That's G-R-O-W-T-H-G-A-L-A-X-Y.com. So growthgalaxy.com. Go to growthgalaxy.com and you'll be redirected to our Kickstarter page. And we have about 11 or 12 days left. And we're going to, I'm doing everything in my power to get this to 100%. Um, And so regardless of the funds, we're going to move forward with the book. um, And we'll have to pick up the pieces. But I'm hoping it'll be a successful campaign. I'm hoping the word spreads and that the message resonates with people and people recognize how valuable it's going to be. But the authors are incredible. Um, we're talking that one of the authors is a Google Next startup accelerator mentor. 
along with the head of growth at Borrowell. The other one is a digital agency uh, founder, Tiger Tiger, one of the first ever growth hackers. So you're talking you're very, very experienced people who have a ridiculous amount of um, you know, experience and, and, and knowledge in their brains. And so trying to bring that to light in this book. And I'm, I'm really excited that if any authors found this invigorating or interesting, to go check it out and support it. We have a bunch of levels you can contribute at. And I, my promise is always that any book I work on, it's going to over-deliver. And it's going to be way better um, than even promised. And so that's what I'm going to do with this book. So check it out at growthgalaxy.com. And I'd love your support. And let me know if you do. And let me know if you, you reach out through Annie's podcast. And I'd love to connect with you. Oh, yeah. That would be really great. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that it will kind of, you know, help many authors out because there are many, many tools out there. And it's, it's very often we get overwhelmed that it's really difficult to choose from. And we, we spend time kind of, you know, researching, looking, trying to choose, not really realizing which one works, which one doesn't. And, you know, let alone understanding how it works. So it's kind of, you know, sometimes many many of us get overwhelmed and um, as a result don't do any of those <laughs> so so mm-hmm. i guess exactly. you know yeah okay well thank you very much uh you know uh, i have a feeling this interview was you know at least as good as as our previous one <laughs> <laughs> i hope so Okay, well, I wish you success with the crowdfunding campaign. Uh, I hope to see the book out soon. And um, uh, I want it to help many authors. Thank you so much, Annie. I appreciate having you, uh, you having me on and, and really, really do appreciate that. And uh, good luck to everything you're doing and, and to all the authors out there. Good luck with what you're doing. Okay, well, that's what we had for today. Right after this, before you forget, please register to the Right to be Right podcast birthday at www.annealexander.com backwards slash birthday. And uh, I will really, really be happy to have you over to the Google Live Hangout tomorrow on july 1st and i'm sure that we will have lots of fun uh it will be really great to know who my listeners are to interact with them directly and i will be waiting for you there take care uh keep writing make sure you move forward and i wish you lots of success and a very productive and creative week